Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig and today we're joined by our senior education researcher, Michael Johnston. Hi, Michael. Hi. We want to talk about your new report, a report you've written with our adjunct fellow, Stephanie Martin, and it's called Who Teaches the Teachers? It is. So, starting with the state of the teaching profession, do we have a problem with our teachers? Well, we've got a problem with the way we train them, and that is actually selling our teachers short. It's giving them insufficient preparation for the classroom, and of course that has flow-on effects to the way our young people are educated. So we need to reform it for the sake of the young people, but also for the sake of the teachers themselves. So just to clarify, do we have a problem mainly with new teachers who are coming straight out of teacher training, or is this a problem that continues throughout their teaching career? Well, if they don't get a good start, uh, over time the teaching profession becomes dominated by ineffective ideas about how to teach, and that ends up permeating the whole system, which makes it harder for teachers to pick up the knowledge and skill they need on the job. Uh, so many teachers will, because in the end, there's nothing like practical experience to, to, to improve your skill. But we need to do much better in terms of the basic philosophy behind teacher training. And the deficiencies in teacher training that you have analysed, they've been with us for a while, so I would assume that the problems in the teaching profession are quite widespread already. They are, I would say. And we see it in the educational data. I suppose that's our best litmus test of that, you know, especially in things like literacy and numeracy. But also, I think, in science, we've seen falls in uh, our, the performance of our 15-year-olds in PISA since 2006 when testing began. Mm -hmm. And we can't really take indices like NCEA very seriously because there are so many different ways to get that qualification. We could say some high roads and some low roads, and the low roads are increasingly taken. And let's unpack that a little bit and um, maybe start well, with the first chapter of the report, which was actually written by Stephanie. Yes, and I would like to acknowledge Stephanie. It's been just wonderful to write a report with a practising teacher. So she works at a school in Auckland, a primary school, and there's nothing like having that practical experience and reasonably recent experience of teacher training as well. Uh, she trained about 10 years ago, a little bit less actually, at the University of Auckland. So we've got a good practical experience in her there, as well as the, the great research she did for the report. And in that first chapter of the report, she explains her own upbringing as a teacher. Uh, yes, that's right. So, And she explains where she's coming from and what she learned and what she didn't learn yep. at uni. And um, maybe you could just tell us a bit about that chapter. I will. So, I mean, as you just alluded, there, there are sins of omission and commission in our teacher education programs. So they have far too much in the way of uh, social constructivist philosophy. And just to unpack what that means, broadly speaking, it's the idea that learning is best served when young people discover that knowledge for themselves and principally through social interaction or action, interaction with one another. Now that relegates teachers to a much more facilitatory role than uh, traditional teaching methods would and there's no evidence really that it's useful for learning 
the disciplines of our curriculum like science and history or for learning things like literacy and numeracy either. So basically that's a sociological approach to teacher education. That's right. And you can trace that back to the merger between the teachers' colleges and the universities some 25 years ago. And at that time there were existing departments of education or educational studies within universities. They didn't, by and large, train teachers at that time. There were a couple of exceptions, but most teacher training at that time took place in standalone teachers' colleges. But when they were merged, all of the teachers' colleges, college staff either had to complete PhDs and become academics or leave the profession, which many did. In fact, I remember the tail end of that when I was starting at Victoria University in 2011, there were a bunch of uh, the old teachers' college staff who were still completing their PhDs at that time. Was there also more emphasis on practical experience back in the day? Well, I think that there's never been quite enough of that. And I'm not, by the way, advocating the teachers' college approach. I think that was already quite social constructivist in its approach. But I think that was amplified because when they did their PhDs in these departments of education and the universities, it tended to be people, well, with people who were sociologists who had that kind of approach to education. Strangely missing in action were, were the psychologists, uh, and, and they still are in teacher education. Even though they're there in education faculties, they tend not to have much to do with the teacher training, and I think that's one of the things that really needs to change. So it would be quite strange then if you're coming from that kind of university teacher education to find yourself in a classroom only to realise that actually nobody had ever told you how to teach. Yes. Well, you know, we, we talked to Kevin Knight who, uh, during the, the preparation for this report and he runs the New Zealand Graduate School of Education, which is down in Christchurch. And he basically thinks that most teachers are not classroom ready when they enter the classroom. Yeah, because you're at university you're taught that students would somehow acquire the knowledge themselves. Yes, that's and right. And suddenly you find yourself in front of these kids only realising that actually that's not how it works in practice. Exactly. And, you know, a very topical debate that makes this very plain is the literacy debate. So, you know, as we have said many times on this podcast and in our columns, we've got a declining literacy rate in our young people and it's been declining for a long time. And that is because the, the whole language method that has been used in New Zealand schools for decades is a social constructivist philosophy. Basically, it's the idea that if you expose kids to lots of print, then they will somehow learn to read. We contrast that with structured literacy based on the science of learning, which contends with a lot of evidence that they won't unless we teach them quite directly and, and, and we give them cues like phonics and the, the, the spelling to sound conversions and then lots of practice as well, uh, they won't learn to read and naturally. And it's a similar story for mathematics. It's very similar. In fact, I would say mathematics, more than any other subject, needs a structured approach because of its uh, conceptual hierarchy. That is, you know, knowledge built upon knowledge built upon knowledge. So that means you first need to know how to add numbers before you can, can even get to fractions. That's exactly right. And you need to know fractions before you can do algebra. And you need to know algebra before you can do calculus and so forth. Mm -hmm. So none of this is taught properly at our universities? For, in, for would-be teachers? Teach, in yes, teacher education I mean. programs? Yeah. No. I mean, primary school teachers get very little training in 
how to teach numeracy or literacy. And our young teachers are generally afraid of teaching mathematics. That's right. There was a report from the Royal Society a few years ago headed up by Gavin Martin, which showed that many teachers dislike mathematics. They feel that they're not good at it. And in fact, they proved that they weren't good at it because they, they were unable to, to solve some of the problems that their students were supposed to be learning how to solve. So that is obviously not a firm platform on which to build numeracy education. Yeah, I um, remember actually we had a report almost a decade ago by Audrey Ten yes. of MathMall Consulting, and she quoted research from the time um, some trainee teachers, primary school teachers, um, where a third of them struggled with some basic math tests. Yes. So this problem that um, you're describing goes back a long, long time. It does. So either we have to be much more rigorous about pre-testing people before they go into teacher education to see that they can actually handle the, the numeracy. And actually, similar story in science, by the way, for primary school teachers. Or we have to put a lot more time in during their training to get them up to speed. Mm. Now, having recognized all of these problems with teacher training, a very tempting solution would be just to say, look, the next Minister of Education sees all of this, goes in and prescribes what needs to be done. Yeah. But you don't think that's the idea? No, I, it is very tempting. Uh, it, it would be perhaps the quickest way to get some change, but I don't think it would have the deep roots we need it to. And more seriously, it would open up teacher education to political interference over time. So actually the key to all of this, arguably, is the sta are the standards for the teaching profession. These are st professional standards owned by the Teaching Council, which is the professional body for teachers in New Zealand. And appropriately, a majority of its members are elected by the profession. You really want that. You want a profession to own its own standards. You don't want a successive ministers interfering with, with those standards. So the question then is how you bring change about, given that teachers, by and large, have been educated under the current philosophy and don't recognise the problem. I mean, some of them do, but not enough to get, probably get that change at the teaching council level. So the solution... Actually, that, how ideological is the teaching council itself? Well, in the end, its, it's uh, executive is elected. Half plus one of the members are elected by the teaching profession, so they have the same ideology as teachers in general. And the other, you know, half minus one, as it were, uh, is appointed by the minister. Mm -hmm. uh, so the minister does have some influence, but the, the teaching profession has, has the majority. Okay. So the ideological balance of the council would depend on ministerial appointments by and large. So you really want to ensure that in the end teachers are a proper self-regulating profession? Yes, I do. And you want to keep them away from political interference That's and influence. Right. And at That's the same time, you want to steer them in the well, in your preferred direction, in the right direction, where they actually learn proper methods for teaching literacy. That's and right. No so the, so the, the ideas that we developed for solving the problem that we have really came down to our two visits that we made during the preparation for the report. And one I've already mentioned, that was the New Zealand uh, Graduate School of Education. The other was to some schools in Auckland who are training their own teachers in partnership with the University of Waikato. Now, under this model, the teachers are full-time in schools while simultaneously doing a Waikato 
qualification. The strengths of this model are that they form close relationships with the schools in which they're trained because they're there for the whole program and the schools have a strong incentive to mentor them well because they end up being employed in those schools afterwards by and large. There are some exceptions to that but most graduates go on to be employed in the schools in which they're trained. So that part of the model is very sound. The drawbacks are that there's a very heavy workload because they're full-time in the classroom as well as doing this Waikato qualification. And also there's a mismatch of philosophy between the teaching, the teaching practices in some of the schools and the Waikato degree, which is like all the other university degrees, heavily sociocultural. And the Waikato degree would then be recognised across New Zealand afterwards? Oh yes, it's, it, people do that degree uh, just in a normal way as well and have t teaching placements and, and graduate and become teachers. So it's, it, it's the same as any other teaching qualification. Um, but what I think we really need, I like this model of groups of schools getting together and, and having a, a teacher training program. I think they need to create their own qualifications and have a small provider that looks a bit like the New Zealand Graduate School of Education overseeing that qualification in partnership with schools where the teachers and training are placed throughout their training and form those strong relationships. I, I, I think that would be a very nice model to be to see replicated across the country. So now, how would these providers be established and funded? Well, I would like to see a small agency with a high degree of operational focus set up to evaluate proposals to set these things up and then to provide resources, not just money, but expertise in curriculum, in assessment uh, and so on to help set up effective teacher education programs and then to monitor the performance of these programs over time. Now, this is where the standards... For and who would pay for this? Well, the government would the government pay. Would the government would pay for the implementation so, so agency. Would, would be a process of competitive tendering? You mean to set up the yeah, programs? Yes. Not necessarily. I, I mean, I, I'd have a, a... It's not terribly expensive thing mm. to do. And once set up, the programs would become self-sustaining because they'd be funded in the same way as any other tertiary program. Mm. So it's not a huge outlay. And I would prefer to see lots of experimentation, actually. And some of it won't work, which is why the monitoring is so important and the publication of the, of the results of that monitoring so that we can see prospective teachers can see which providers are doing a good job and, and where they would like to enrol, but also so that other providers can set up along the same lines so that we actually get an amplification of the pockets of quality that still exists in our, in our education system. And what role would universities continue to play? In well, they, they, they continue to operate as they do, and maybe they'd have some incentive to improve once their business started to be taken by these other providers But to come back to the, the question about the professional standards, they are influential on teacher education because graduates have to meet their, their requirements in order to be able to practice lawfully. Trouble is, the Teaching Council uh, standards now are terribly vague and only two of the six of them have anything directly to do with teaching. So it's a, not a high bar and, and there are no rigorous assessment processes against them either. So to solve that problem, rather than political interference, I would like to see, as well as setting up teacher education, that these groups of schools could also set up registration bodies, again, with standards subject to 
uh, approval by an implementation agency, the same one, uh, that would make sure that they could be assessed against in a rigorous way, that they described research-based methods and that uh, they were, again, subject to monitoring and, and the publication of the results of, the, of that monitoring so that we can see which ones were working. So you want a competitive marketplace, really? Exactly. A, a competitive marketplace for training, for standards too? Yes. But not for monitoring? That That's but another layer that I, I haven't particularly considered. I mean, you, you could go down that path, but I, I think if you set up this agency in the right way, and it mustn't become just an arm of the ministry or some kind of new bureaucracy, it's got to be just full of experts who are just really focused on getting effective teacher education and, and uh, Would effective. you even place that inside the ministry? No, or, no, no. Or I would that be NZQA? I wouldn't place it anywhere. I'd have it a, a small standalone crown standalone. agency. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what stands in the way of that kind of solution then? It sounds relatively straightforward. I think it, it's not too straightforward to set up and then with the right incentives and the, and the right initial direction, I think it, it could get going pretty nicely. And perhaps, you know, a Minister of Education in the near future might have a, a think about doing it. It, it. It's not that hard, probably. It, it sounds a bit radical because at the moment we've got this monolithic model, but, you know, we've had these shifts in the past and usually once we move things into a, a more competitive market-based approach, we get efficiencies and we find out where the quality is. So do you detect a sense of well, politicians being willing to go for that kind of solution? I don't think our current Minister of Education has, has thought about it very hard. but uh, Well, I'm not, I'm not sure what she has actually thought about very hard. No, no. Well, I won't comment too much on that, but uh, I, I think that perhaps this idea might be appealing to Erica Stanford and people like this. I, I'm hoping so anyway, and I'll, I'll continue to promulgate it to who, whoever will listen and perhaps over time we'll, we'll get uh, some action in that regard. I did note last week National's uh, announcement that they would work with the Teaching Council to improve the existing standards, especially along the lines of including structured literacy. So we'll see how that project plays out if, if uh, National win the election in a few weeks' time. And if they can succeed in doing that, more power to them, and then we will get improvement that way. And if not, then we could suggest our approach. Well, then um, let's see what the election brings and uh, let's see what response you get on your report. Uh, but for now, thank you, Michael. And for all of you, if you want to read what Michael and Stephanie have uh, produced, you can find the report on our website. It's called Who Teaches the Teachers? And it is released this Thursday. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you, Oliver.